Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Election College, episode 288. Herbert Hoover. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. I probably should have said part one because there's a lot to say about Herbert Hoover. You know, he gets busted on by certain political figures in, you know, recent decades, but his legacy is much more than just the Great Depression. I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. We don't want to be spoiling stuff from 70 years ago. Man. Yeah, he kind of has the, well, anytime we want to talk about some kind of system or political upheaval that we don't like now, we point back to that era. But at the time, there were, it's undeniable that it was, well, I shouldn't say undeniable. It's almost positively that it was, <laughs> things were the right way to go. And uh, yeah, this, I mean, you're right. There's a lot to talk about. Who knows? It might even end up being a three-parter. Yeah. So Herbert Hoover, who was born in August of 1874 in West Branch, Iowa. And get this, Ben, he is the only president who was born in Iowa. Iowa being such an important state when it comes to politics uh-huh. he he's it that's probably the furthest west at that point yeah he's the only president at that point uh-huh. who was born west of the mississippi and uh his dad was jesse hoover uh, he was a blacksmith and his mom well her name was hulda which man that's a name it is a name hulda and get this she Hulda. was from canada yeah. <laughs> I was, sorry, I was trying to think of the previous president we talked about whose parents were from from other countries, besides like the first ones. I can't remember who they were now. Anyway, they were Quakers, and uh, that's kind of the line that they came from. Uh, of course, being from Ontario, his mother had a lot of English and Irish ancestry, and with that kind of comes that, well, Quaker religious outlook. And they were kind of a noteworthy family. Um, Holda had a big role in the church, and his father was just like a general businessman who everybody knew because you needed a blacksmith, you needed stuff for your farm. He was the guy you went to. And they passed away when he was about nine years old or so. Well, his mother passed away when he was about nine years old. And Hoover, Hoover. Herbert and his siblings, uh, who he had some younger sisters, he had an older brother, they were put under the care of a fellow Quaker. 
Yeah, good thing they were Quakers because they had some sort of support system. Um, they stayed with one of his grandmothers there in Iowa. He lived there for about 18 months uh, with his uncle, Alan, and then he was off to Newburgh, Oregon in November of 1885 to live with his other uncle, Dr. John Mendhorn. He was a physician and a businessman, and get this, he lost his own son the year before, and um, can imagine you can't fill uh, that void of losing your own child, but there you have his nephew coming, and the mentor and household was known for their work ethic, and uh, Herbert, even though he did work hard and, um, you know, carried his weight, he was very unhappy. As you can imagine, it's really hard uh, losing your parents and then not really having your place in the world, I guess is what you might want right. to say. Yeah. I'm not going to sing, but that's that's a difficult upbringing. It's that's really, a deep cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not until he enters uh, Stanford University in 1891 where he really feels um, like, hey, he belongs here. But he was very much one of those scrappy people who, you know, he might have thought, well, what's he doing at this school? He failed all of his entrance exams (laughs) except mathematics and uh, every other subject. He was hanging out there in Palo Alto, you know, having... One of Zuckerberg's relatives, I'm sure. Right. Tutoring him. Obviously. You know, other stuff. It's interesting because he didn't go to high school, but he went to night school during, you know, because he was working uh, on the farm during that time. And he goes to night school and learns a bunch of stuff. And so you imagine he's self-taught and, you know, by the night school instructor. But students at this time, even in the 1890s, it wasn't always exactly typical for them to go to college or university. And uh, for him to get there on a non-traditional education was quite the feat. Yeah, so there he is at Stanford, and he's like, man, I cannot decide what I want to be when I grow up. And Me either. Yeah, <laughs> there's a position that opened up uh, with geologist John Casper Branner. He's like, hey, come here, Herbert. Get over here. Let me show you something. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to introduce you to the world of geology. And Hoover ends up interning for Branner and the United States Geological Survey during the summer. And Herbert, he was kind of shy and uh, wasn't the guy who you would find at the frat house or um, sorority house, for that matter. <laughs> and uh, he still became the student treasurer his first election yeah well first one he ever won that we know of and he was not trying to be political at all right but you know his senior year rolls around and he's like "Ooh, look at lou henry and uh he's like what am i gonna do i'm a poor boy there's no way i can get married to that he needed no sympathy though lady yeah yeah and so he graduates in 1895 And uh, he has a hard time finding a job because of the panic of 1893. But what ends up happening, or maybe we shouldn't jump too far forward, because this is kind of notorious about his life. Yeah. Should I say notorious or noteworthy? Noteworthy, because notorious 
impl- you know, in- implies negative. Yeah. So noteworthy about Hoover is he was the student manager of the baseball and football teams there at Stanford. Right. Which goes to tell you about his athletic ability. <laughs> right. Probably. He was that guy on the sidelines. Yeah. Which is better than me. Well, me too. Um, he was there at the inaugural big game versus the University of California. And get this, Ben, only 10,000 tickets were printed. Which is still team. a lot of tickets. Yeah. 20,000 people show up. That's, Oops. yeah. That's a bad That's a bad and good thing to have happen. Yeah. So they, they figured it out, but uh, <laughs> they had to uh, find pots and bowls to try to collect uh, admission fees. And Stanford won, and that game is going on, I guess, to this day. Yeah. So after Herbert graduates, and I keep wanting to call him Hoover, but his name's Herbert. I'm sorry. I just keep, I keep I know. slipping back in. It's easier to say Hoover. It is. After Hoover graduates, uh, he goes to work in Nevada City and in Grass Valley, California, uh, for some gold mining craziness. Gold in them there. There's, that's the time where there's yes. some gold happening. And he ends up going and getting hired by another firm to be... Uh, an engineer for the mines, and he ends up going to Western Australia in the late 1890s as part of this gold mining company. And in school, he had studied some serious geology, and he had switched his majors around a few times, but eventually settled in on geology and ends up really suiting him. And he's able to, to land this job and go to Australia working there. During this time, he really starts to have some political opinions, and not that he didn't have them before, but they become more apparent to him. Uh, He starts to really think about how workers' compensation is going to work, how minimum wage is going to work, and, hey, am I opposed to these things? Because they really do harm the owners of these companies, but at the same time, do they help the employees? So he's struggling or thinking through some of those things. He ends up getting promoted, and then... Uh, he calls his college sweetheart, Lou Henry. And initially, when they were kind of in love in college, they kind of had to say, well, I guess we're not going to see each other any longer because we can't afford to get married. Well, at this time, he gets this promotion, and um, he can marry her now. So they get married. Uh, they He comes back to the States to marry her for a little bit. They end up having a couple kids over the next few years, which we'll talk about potentially more in the future. And instead of going back to Australia, he's like, hey, we're going to go to China. <laughs> and um, then he ends up going to China for work and takes along his wife at that time as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because his wife, Lou, she's like all about studying Mandarin Chinese, which what are you going to do when you're in China at the turn of the century? other than learn Chinese. I think that would be wise. Yeah. So, uh, by the way. My brother-in-law lives in China. Uh He's lived there for like four or five years now. He doesn't speak a word of Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) I'd just be pointing to things. He teaches English. Yeah. But he doesn't speak Chinese. It's really interesting. I think it's a scam. I think he's in the FBI or something. And here we are podcasting about it, too. Well, I didn't say his name. The entire world. They can figure <laughs> it out, because if the FBI is investigating... That's right. It's part of your file, too. Yeah. So, But it is said that the Hoovers 
they would speak a little bit of Chinese to each other. It's probably like how I speak French to my wife. Oh, yeah. It's not French, but she knows what I'm saying. Right. Which leads me to say one time when I used to work for the airline, there was a French person who came up to me and was like, you know, Kelport, you know, for what gate or uh-huh. what door? Yeah. And I tried to tell her, Bay Nuff, you know, yeah. B9. And she kept on asking the question, which made me feel really bad because that meant that you weren't saying it right. Yeah. She wanted me to write it down. Oh. So <laughs> I guess my accent wasn't good enough. I guess not. Anyway, so the, the Hoovers, they would speak to each other in uh, code like that. They would, you know, be like. Speaking in code. Ken- Kenichiwa. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's how that works. Uh, Speaking Chinese or Mandarin in China probably didn't work as well for secret code as it did in America, though. You have a really good point. Everybody else would know what they were saying. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So anyway, while they're there, Herbert Hoover continues to notice all the different things that he likes and doesn't like about how employees are treated. And, you know, this is going to be a big piece of his presidency as well, some of those things that we'll talk about. And eventually, Hoover becomes an investor, a speculator, a financier, um, pretty much anything that's kind of happening in the first part of the 20th century as far as mining and silver, lead, gold, zinc, etc. He's got a hand in. He's probably directing it in some sense or another. So he worked his way on up. Uh, those mathematics, te- that mathematics test he passed seems to have paid off even though he failed everything else. Yeah. Uh, and he's become pretty successful during this time. Yeah, by 1914, he's like, I can count to $4 million. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's like a lot today's dollar. Yeah, it's like almost a billion. Yeah. Is that no, right? No. It's almost $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. $100 million. Which Still when a lot you of get money. to $100 million, it's like a billion whatever. I feel like if you have $100 million, if you're worth $100 million, you like, you like have to try to lose it before you die i don't understand how people i mean bad investments and stuff i get but people who just like waste their money like that yeah but not if you're herbert hoover that's right yeah it's said that like his minds or not i guess not his minds but minds that he was invested in i mean some of them were he had shares in like up until the year before he died yeah which he died pretty late late 1964 mm-hmm. so anyway I just gave it away that he died. I'm. I have a feeling most people knew that, or at least guessed it. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> when uh, when World War II begins in 1914, uh, Herbert is really involved in some of the humanitarian work that's going along, going around. Uh, he's leading a bunch of different volunteers to go and hand out food and clothing and you know just cold hard cash. 
whenever about 120,000 Americans were brought home from Europe. And uh, he's there whenever Belgium is facing a bit of a food crisis. Uh, he's there working in London, making sure that a bunch of victims of the war were getting uh, fed. And he's just, you know, he's definitely doing uh, humanitarian work overtime at this point. And you would imagine that with him being worth as much money as he was, that he probably took a lot of that out of his own pocket. Yeah. And you know what else he took a lot of? Heat. Yeah. <laughs> from a lot of people who we all respect and love, like Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill didn't really care for Herbert. Herbert Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably said his name something like that. He's like, dude, this guy is going in and he's feeding the enemy. And Hoover is like, hey, they're people they need to eat. So even though after World War One, where, you know, Bolshevik revolution is going on and in Russia that's becoming the Soviet Union, uh-huh. like we wouldn't approve of that. But people are starving. And Hoover's like, you know what? These people need to eat. Here's some food. That's and right. the same with the post war Germany. It was really rough. Hoover comes in says here's some food and there is even a platz named <laughs> i just like to say that <laughs> yeah a place in a, like a town square in belgium where they're like hey hoover splickensplatz platz and they named it after him all the all the german speakers in the audience they they're like right um now. what they're like that lady at the airport gate oh man she probably is still telling that story <laughs> Tell american trying to speak french so, again, after the United States gets into the war in 1917, President Wilson says, Hey, Herbert Hoover, you seem like you should be the head of the U.S. Food Administration. So, then he was. Uh, this, you know, had just been created. It was a new position. And there's some discrepancy about whether or not he was asked to fill the role or whether he begged to fill the role. But either way, he filled the role and he was really of the opinion that food will win the war because well if you don't have food to eat you can't your troops can't fight and if you do have food to eat they're probably going to have at least a little better chance so this is the point where he really actually gets into politics strictly speaking even though he was really just still more about humanitarian efforts yeah people are like uh is he a democrat or a republican never know you'll never know actually you, you will eventually know you know, there's so many themes throughout this. It's like, I don't know, Zachary Taylor's popping in my head. Like uh-huh. People just didn't know what party he was. Eisenhower is same, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Maybe a more recent president, same thing. Yeah. So Republicans didn't like the fact that uh, he was feeding uh, people that we didn't agree with, like the Bolsheviks. But Hoover was like, 20 million people are starving. Whatever their politics, they should be fed. That seems reasonable. (laughs) But maybe not. If you really hate a country or hate an ideology, they kind of lose their humanity. Right. Yeah, and this is a little less history, but I guess it plays into history. The idea is if you starve the people, even you know the civilians, their military will feel that pressure and therefore, you know, relent or the administration will relent in some aspects because their people are dying 
But then there's also the idea that, well, we're not supposed to go in and harm civilians in war. So are we doing the same thing by restricting their food supply? So it becomes a very difficult thing for generals and high-ranking officials to maneuver um, based on, in World War II especially, because we can, you know, we can starve these people and their government will feel that pressure, but then we just committed war crimes without committing war crimes. Yeah. Is that a problem? It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. It's definitely, yeah. When you think about it, especially in this day and age where even when the United States invaded Iraq, they were still trying to drop food shipments into the people and so on. Right. Because it's the government you're trying to overthrow, not necessarily the people. Right. Speaking of overthrowing people, we're going to overthrow this podcast episode because I think we've been talking for a long time. I was just getting so excited about about military strategy. Well, I that's got carried a away. Cliffhanger, my friend. That's right. Well, okay. So if you haven't yet, I don't. Re- I honestly don't know what you could possibly be waiting for. Because we're not going to send you food. <laughs> we're not. Or maybe we will. It's possible. Head on over to electioncollege.com slash group and uh, join us on Facebook. There's a group of people. Get it? A group. <laughs> Oh, that's what that's happens why, That's there. Yeah, that's why it's called that. That likes Election College, or at least puts up with us. And occasionally somebody will chat or post something in the group, and we want you to come be a part of it. It's uh, the least formal way you can chat with us or talk to some other fans of the show. And who knows, you might just meet your future spouse there. I just came up with that one just now. Oh, I wonder, like, there's a Herbert and Lou romance. Yeah, you never know. Brewing. Two history lovers... Get together in a Facebook group. Look, we don't need these dating apps. We just need Election College Facebook group. Oh, man. I think you just gave me an idea. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, yeah. And while you're on the internet, because that's what kids are doing these days. They're all on the internet, and they're leaving ratings and reviews on podcasts that they like to listen to because they want other people just like them. You know, this is just like a, a circular cycle of, which I guess that's redundant, Yeah. of um, humanity and goodness and spreading uh, good cheer when you leave a rating and review. And hey, while you're leaving a rating and review, um, be thinking about this too. The other day I was driving my car and I was like, is it worth it? Is it worth doing Christmas sweater t-shirts this year? Oh. I don't know. Let us know. That's that might question. be a good topic. We sold a few of them last year. We've even sold a few through this year, but, you know, if you guys want them, we'll do them. Yeah. But if you're not going to buy them, we're not. We're it's not a lot of work. we got other stuff to do. Yeah. Like overthrow governments. And feed people. What did I say? Thanks, everybody, for checking out the show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.